0: Let's start the show. For January 7th, 2016, welcome to This Is Only A Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Welcome to the first podcast of 2016. I'm Norm, your host this week, and we're coming to you live, or at least on location from Las Vegas. I'm joined by Patrick Norton. Patrick Norton, how are you doing? Uh, I yeah, I was I was actually thinking like
1: eh, undead. Yes, <laughs> not, not not perhaps not entirely live, but
0: certainly not dead yet. Yeah, we were going around yesterday, and we shot. Uh, I think eight videos yesterday and at near the end of the day uh, a vendor which we were interested in asked us if, if we wanted to shoot another video and I talked to, I looked over to Joey and Joey said I got, I got a 10% battery left and I said I told the guy oh, we only have 10% battery left and He said, is that the camera or you and I'm like I only have 5% battery left <laughs> I'm, I'm blinking red over here, uh, but uh, thank you, guys, everyone, for joining us. We don't a video this week. We're actually sitting in the corner of the Venetian Casino Hotel, the ballrooms area, and uh, I wanted to. T- Go over, CS, like an overview of everything we've seen. We have a ton of videos coming out. Patrick, mm-hmm. we actually only just met up this afternoon to shoot a few videos, record this podcast. So I haven't. I don't know what you've seen so far. I've teased a little bit to you what I've seen so far and really want to get out there what it feels like to be at this incredible convention, this, this circus. It, it, you've been to CS for how long now? I, th- I, I, I actually am not sure if this is my 15th or 17th. For, for- 70 I'm um, over 15 years. Yeah, And the way when people ask me, what is CES? Like, how do you, how would you best describe it? I'd say it's like, <laughs> it's like a world's fair. Yeah. It's, 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 well, it's unhinged, right? Because you've got a couple hundred thousand people,
1: maybe two or 3000 vendors, maybe even more than that now, literally 10, 20, 30,000 products. Um, and it's ridiculous. Everything from USB right angle adapters to 85 inch HK uh, screens to, oh, by the way, the automotive manufacturer have taken over the Northfall. Ford's up there, Toyota's up there. Um, and you get into things like I remember a few years ago when uh, the, the Samsung released the 8,000 and they built this crazy egg. Out of panel, like the interior of the panel, like a Fabergé egg, built out of you know sixty-five inch, you displays. know Samsung eight thousand displays. And The thing was fifty feet
0: high. Oh my God! I when remember you were standing that.
1: inside of it. Um, totally.
0: Now, a lot of people think you know CS isn't relevant anymore. Why does CS CS exist? And certainly for for journalists, for people looking for mm-hmm. cutting edge. It's not the event it used to be. No. You know, a lot of companies that used to make their big announcements don't they either have their own events right. or just have abandoned the event completely. But there's still a lot here. So for vendors like, you know, car manufacturers or stereo makers or even the cable makers, what is CES to them? Well, it's you look at CES
1: and it's this it's this huge gathering of eyeballs. When you're talking about people on the ground, and these are analysts and vendors and buyers and other manufacturers, and so it's this really interesting mix of humanity that shows up here, and a huge amount of the international press. Like, you know, a long time ago there was a very small number of you know uh, there was a very small number of press people here, and then it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, where I literally say there's probably a couple thousand press people here in any given year, and so you come here, you know, and there's a number of things going on. You you know that you are going to show up on Good Morning America. You know you're going to show up on Mashable. You know you're going to show up on you know all of these online news services. People will retweet weird, you know, retweet weird things your website has done. You will show up on you know international news media. You know, and, and it's funny because it used to be there was this you know, you know Microsoft had a huge presence here. Uh, they would Microsoft, do the keynotes. Exactly. Bill Gates, Steve Ballmer. You know, they kept trying to figure out how they're going to get in the home, how they're going to hit in the home, and it never That's really right. worked out the way they expected it to. And eventually, they decided to stop cutting this giant check that secured the premier keynote. Um, you know, Intel for this like this was a chance. Intel's obviously very much trying to brand itself, right? So you're a big company and you're trying to brand yourself at something new. So Intel did this crazy keynote, you know, and it's like we're singing high low with bands. They're using Curie processors to create virtual instruments. They're using Curie processors to track. BMX riders doing, uh, you know, real-time tricks. They're announcing partnerships with ESPN for the X game and partnerships for uh, uh, Red Bull coming later this year. They're doing stuff with New Balance. They're doing stuff with Oakley. And it's obviously that, you know, at some point Intel's like, hey, we kind of never really made the mobile splash, Qualcomm. Thank you very much, Arm. But, boy, we're going to try like hell to be... In the thick of it, on the internet of things, and a, and and moving forward, and we're going to be young and exciting, and we're going to be impassioned and engaged, in oh
0: keywords and buzzwords. The, the, the tone of CES, I always uh, say, like, look to that. Remember Steve Buscemi's appearance on Thirty Rock when he puts on when he's the <laughs> that flash sideways where he's a uh, he's wearing the he's at the high school and he has like he's he says what's happening, kids. He's had that skateboard. <laughs> That's what CES feels like. And also, right. it's like if you build it and if you throw enough money at it. The hope is someone will show up, and people do. You know, like right. Good Morning America is there because there is money here. Right. And so if they feel like people should care, and then they put out the stories. Now, from your and my perspective, we can be a little more discerning, right? And we obviously don't want to just see the flashiest stuff and the most gimmicky things mm-hmm. and the most buzzwordy things. But it is—it's tough to hunt and find the things that we're actually going to care about, and the people out there, you guys listening, are going to care about. I mean, I, I get lucky enough because
1: you know, with tech thing, our, our our we get to cover all sorts of technology in all sorts of areas. You know, I do AVXL with Robert Herron, so, you know, Robert's geeking out on the televisions. Like you know, the OLED AC TVs from from LG are fantastic. I mean, they're ridiculously gorgeous. I mean, they're gorgeous last year, but now they're even more ridiculously gorgeous. That the Dell, we did a video on that. Oh yeah, the, the, that that Dell thirty inch. Uh, Ultra sharp monitor, which is you know, it's a flagship, it's a statement. You know, we can do anything as good as Sony does for super high end uh, uh, users. Um, but you look around, and I, I, for me, part of the joy of of CES is knowing I'm going to find one thing at least. Sometimes I find a half dozen things, something ridiculous and cool and amazing that that. That does something that either solves a problem in my life or just opens up a new opportunity. Um, and, and then there's like walking
0: down a hallway and seeing 17 different drone manufacturers you've never heard of. Well, it, CES was the first place where we met with DJI. It was right. the first place where we uh, had our first meeting with Oculus when we saw before the development kit 1, right. DK1 was released. So there, those are moments. Uh, first you
1: know, time I saw a MakerBot in the flesh, right. not in a picture in a, on a website, right? Was in a corner of the South Hall upstairs. Now there's a huge 3D. There's a huge 3D center over in the Sands Hall. Mm. It's probably like you know 50
0: yards by 75 yards, and probably a dozen booths in there. Yeah, ge- uh, geographically, CS is also vast. Now I, I shot a video today where over 30 minutes, the course of 30 minutes, I walked through uh, with the DJI Osmo, right. the handheld stabilized camera, and gave did a walking tour of uh, just maybe half of the main convention hall at CES, the South Halls and the Central Hall, and showed a little bit of of the booths. But thats it took me 30 minutes to go down basically one aisle of each of those halls, not cover them comprehensively. To any extent, and that was less than half of one of the big hall, one of the big buildings. Gary Shapiro said that this is the biggest
1: uh, in terms of floor space. This is the biggest CES they've ever had because, uh, you know, back certainly around the time of the crash, CES shrunk a bunch. uh, The the market crash, the 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 late debacle involving home ownership, and the uh, you know, but it it, it, and it, 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 I'm stuttering because I'm thinking like you know, there there used to be a show called Comdex and Comdex used to, there used to be vendors as computer trade show. There used to be vendors like in every square foot of floor space on every hotel within like probably three or four miles of the LVCC. But then they added the LVCC South. Like there's, I think there's a total like 10 million square feet of space in the convention center between the North Hall, the Center Hall and the South Hall is two levels. And it's like having a couple of football fields upstairs and downstairs. Um, It's ridiculous. And they're all full. And also, you know, the downstairs of the West Gate is full, and vendors are doing off-site suites, and they've got all of them. so all of the Sands, all of the LVCC, all of the ground floor of the Westgate, um, you know, several floors in the Venetian, and then there's probably a thousand people doing meetings somewhere at different suites at different casinos throughout the place. So it's a huge, huge,
0: huge gathering. Now, fortunately for us, uh, having been here a couple of times, the, the 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 way geographically it's all regimented and segmented is. Structurally, it makes a lot of sense. Like, right. for example, in the Sands, there will be here are all the three D printing companies. Here's Formlabs. Here's Lullbots. uh And here next to them will be the robotics companies. Right. Um, in the main hall, it's, yes, Central Hall. You know, Samsung's in the same place every year. You know, LG is going to have that massive booth in the same place every year. So, which makes makes at least navigating. Mm-hmm. Between those, relatively easy, but right. still getting between the booths and getting between buildings, right. it's like forty-five minutes to get from one building to the next. The classic newbie mistake. Newbie mistake. Like you know, I'd be talking to a, a,
1: a PA, uh, you know, back in the day, or an editorial assistant, way back in the day, and I'd be like, okay, you can't schedule those two meetings back to back. Well, why? Well, one's in the Sands and one's in the LVCC. Well, they're a mile apart. I'm like, best case scenario, it's a twenty-five minute walk, but it's going to take you ten minutes to get from their booth to the front door, and then you're going to have to either, and then you're going to, and then you're going to because it's it's just if you've ever walked into a stadium for a, like a seventy thousand person stadium when everybody's trying to bum rush the place before the game yeah. that's a lot like CES CES is constantly and then and when the show floor shuts down at six o'clock everybody goes to leave simultaneously through the same small set of doors and uh, I tend to either get out early or I wait until security's, like I find somebody to talk to in a booth until security kicks us out, because I just don't want to be in there when 3,000 people are trying to stuff through 40 feet of doors.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now we're recording this on Thursday, and Patrick, at this point, you've been here in Vegas for almost an entire week. What I want to do now is uh, for this structure of this podcast, let's go through each of our CES experiences. We'll start with you. I want to hear what you did day by day, talk about each of the products you saw, what you thought about each of them, a little preview of your opinions, and then uh, I'll talk about how, what have we been doing at CES. Oh my goodness. So I flew out uh, Friday, January 1st,
1: uh, to help cover, we did a live cast, the at and ts Hackathon, which is a 24-hour hackathon to create applications. And uh, that was really amazing, because you never really get to sit and watch developers work. So it was a very sort of anthropological experience. But then I up Monday morning, and like I've been here for like two and a half, three days, maybe a week, it feels like already. And you've been here for a weekend, uh, and and I haven't even started CES. So, the f- the first night, um, CES Unveiled is the first event of CES, and it's Monday night, it's like four o'clock until eight or nine o'clock. And it's, I don't know, 100 vendors, 200 vendors, uh, you're basically on card tables, elbow, cheek to jowl. Some of them have a couple card tables, some of them have one, some of them have a little stand up boost. Um, there were cars there.
0: They may have been Toyotas. Yeah, I'm and, not and, sure. And this is a, an event run officially by the convention. Right. It's also funny. When you see that vendors on the show floor already have their voted best of CES awards or CES innovation <laughs> awards, that's all done before the convention even started. Right. And it's all like they're, being, they're paying for recognition. Right. In many cases,
1: yeah, there's a lot of awards. I mean, it's funny, like vendors love awards. Um, But that was funny because you know, there's, there's, so there's CES, the actual show, and the show floor. You know, so there's that's that's like Monday night, Mm -hmm. and then Tuesday all day long is press day, and press day is is crazy because Samsung, LG, I mean, there's this laundry list of the biggest names, and then smaller companies you don't know who are maybe already huge in China or somewhere else and trying to break into the U.S. market. I'll do press events, so you know my the the you know I, I skipped a bunch of stuff in the morning. Well, that was the Ford announced uh, the Echo integration um, with the next generation of Sync Three products, and also ah. it seems that people are starting to leave
0: the show floor. Or a bus arrived. If it's it's getting louder in the background, um. <laughs> we're on location. So Ford announced that they will have Echo Alexa integration. Exactly. In
1: uh, yeah, and and you know, so you can check the status, and you know, it, you know, what's the battery charge on my C Max? What time is my car going to start itself? What temperature is it going to warm itself to? <laughs> you know, the, and it's going to interact with the, you know, depending on whether you're calling it the Internet of Things, the connected home. Nobody likes home automation because that's like you know X ten people, you know, with with bad hairstyles and and Lazy Boys apparently, and I love Lazy Boys, and they have fashionable and stylish designs. My folks worked at Lazy Boy for a long time, but the, uh, but there's a connotation that's very negative. So now it's the connected. Home. Connected Home, IoT. So, yeah. And and so it's an interesting. I, I mean, I was shocked. I was like, wow. But the, f- the flip side is one of the things we noticed at, uh, at the hackathon was so many people there use the uh, Alexa to control their apps because Alexa works right now and there's a functional it. SDK and that is a big deal when you want consumers to, you know, Alexa, turn on the light. I'm, I'm going to say Alexa three or four more times just so we get emails and yep. posts about people hammering on their screens because we've turned the Alexa. Alexa, turn the light on. Alexa, play "Gone with the Wind."
0: Alexa, say something foul in Serbian. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, it's- no, it, it, they have the SDK. Amazon's done a good job implementing mm-hmm. the services like if this and that. And right. also, uh, it's it's a device I actually use because the microphone system works. There's something to be said when it actually works, you know. So
1: that's been—it's funny because, right? We're we're basically looking at this three-legged battle, and this is one of the reasons you show up at CES, right? Battling, right? All the headphone companies are here. That's obviously an area I like a lot. It's you know, LG and Samsung are kind of toe-to-toe. These big, massive Korean companies, you know, and they didn't do a lot. Neither really felt like they did a lot of cell phones this year. Um, But you know, I'm a big fan of the Samsung ad wash, which is you know, it was a concept they came up with and. You know, if you do a lot of laundry because you have children, it sounds you know unless you do I don't know unless you do a lot of laundry. I do a lot of laundry. It may sound ridiculous, but you know it's they're not like nobody was like having your nobody was having your 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 dryer text you to tell you that the clothes were dry, yeah. you know. But the ad washers basically like you pop open. There's a little door in the door so you can add stuff to the laundry cycle without stopping or pausing the cycle and waiting for everything to unleash and drain down and allow you to throw something in. Brilliant. And that's really that was my response. I'm like, oh, I just Bought a washing machine like six months ago. Damn it! Damn it to hell, Jim. Um, the uh, but you know, and then then there was stuff that was so radically different. They didn't, you know. I think Samsung basically announced like one television, but the big announcement was their ties in software and the fact that they've decided rather than making this sort of like in-your-face applications, we're going to develop an ecosystem for developers oh, no. to make the television. Smart well TVs are a thing of Three years ago. Yeah. So what they did do is okay. They've got ties in. They they have this operating system, and what they decided to approach it is like, what is the way for us to get you to the content you want to watch, in the least painful way possible? I am really looking
0: forward to testing that because I really want to see it actually work. Well, that's um, one of the things I actually discovered uh, why I use the Xfinity system even more than you know my set top box. Why you know I still pay for cable? I want those shows, but that box, the X1 system, is still my HDMI one. Right. Because they own the content. They they have all the content partnerships and they've made it super easy for me to press a button, say play Boardwalk Empire, and then get directly to that content and not have to fumble through menus. Nice. And even though it's not, you know, there are drop frames, it's it's not the fastest system, it's still and sometimes it crashes. Right. You know, that the idea, the fundamental idea of convenience, you cannot underestimate that. <laughs> convenience is
1: you know, it sounds silly, but but actually I mean, you know, actually having a product that works when people try to use it is is kind of a big deal. Yeah, uh, robustness
0: and you know, the uh, having a, the potential for a big platform and, and money making that's that's nothing. That, right. If you can't get people to actually use it and like it.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, you could try. People have done it. So you did press conference day. You attended some of those press conferences. I did the Samsung.
1: Uh, I did the Samsung keynote. I did the Intel keynote, which was. Uh, spectacular and insane. I mean basically the Samsung keynote ended with a full Bollywood production. Um nice. I kid you not. There were there were BMX stunts. Oh my there God. was Do a Do you remember
0: when Samsung announced the GS4? I believe <laughs> and they did a the whole musical uh, in New York. I have I've heard tell. I've never been oh. brave enough to watch Well, the there also video. was the Samsung press conference of maybe 2 years ago at CES where Michael Bay came out. And then I was there in the in the audience yes, for that. Yes. He came out was obviously paid a bunch of money to tie right. in transformers to, uh, to the Samsung TVs. Said maybe two sentences, then apologized abruptly and then turn, abruptly turned around and left. Yeah, I don't know if the teleprompter
1: broke it was, or if the it it
0: teleprompter broke and he couldn't add libit. Oh my goodness! So he just turned around and left.
1: Yeah, it was funny because the it's it was interesting because the the Intel thing reminded me a lot of those Samsung. Kind of debacles, and Samsung reined it in a lot. Wow. I just, you know, like I said, there's like only one phone. They kept it very straightforward. They kept it very focused on, you know, how Samsung is going to interface with the end user. You know, there was a brief mention of, you know, an application that would allow you to interact with a new stove to start the oven, which is something I'm like, I'd love to be able to start
0: the oven on my stove on my way home from the, from the, from the, uh, from the store. Well, also, for, for a company like Samsung, this isn't their phone event. No. this is no longer those big companies' big flagship phone announcements. They either will host their own event, or try oh, to get Huawei away was, from was trying to. to oh, and, and and I guess ZTE as well. Yeah. Um, but for Samsung, it's a lot about their appliances. Yes. And uh, the the other home. Home devices yeah because it's funny
1: the the there's I mean you know the uh, not that I could get in but MSI was here um, you know Intel obviously is here um, Corsair I got to talk to the see some of the new stuff coming from Corsair we got to build some systems norm
0: yeah oh, absolutely. we
1: got to do some liquid cooling
0: and yeah. did you see the the lap dog or the bulldog yes wow. I I have I have I have partaken of the bulldogs joys mm-hmm. I like it better without the pad underneath it yeah that's a lap dog that's right so yeah. I tried that foam pad um, mm-hmm. on the lap dog and what I did not not like, and this is for people don't understand. Corsair is um. The, PC, know, they, parts PC parts manufacturer, they very good power supplies, great power cases. Yep, yep. Uh, but they also have a new product coming out called the Lapdog, mm-hmm. and it's a adapter for a keyboard they sell so you could, that you could use it on the couch.
1: Yes, which is killer. If you have a, you know, I have a 100 inch screen off of my super inexpensive projector that looks really good. Like my seven year old projector is still going. I have a badass home theater system. You know, there's nothing wrong with gaming in 1080p with a set of headphones, and especially yeah. after midnight, that's the only way I'm. Ever going to game but if you've never like fired up your 65 inch TV and your surround sound system and cut loose on fallout You have missed so many glorious things <laughs> so um, living
0: room gaming obviously you enjoy it But there's no easy solution right now to get keyboard right. and mouse in the living room and of course there's like OS problems, DPI problems. If you're right. trying to run, run Windows on a big screen, but just the fundamentals of input and not playing necessarily right. just a gamepad or a Valve Steam controller. Well, the laptop it's a foam pad in the bottom. It's a like right. memory foam, and there's a big uh, mouse magnetic and surface. removable, big yes. mousing surface, and then uh, a slot for the keyboard. Um, pretty big mouse. You basically pull the guts out of a Corsair keyboard and
1: bolt them in place inside of the lap right. There's a little lid that flips up in the front that allows you to hide the cables. Uh, and they do. They basically, they offer, the one I was using was using a USB connection to tie it to the gaming machine,
0: which I think is perfectly reasonable because I don't like gaming with, with wireless, wireless devices. I, I agree, reasonable. The thing that I wish it had was a magnetic detach for the USB. So if you plug it into your PC right. and if someone trips over it, then like like those old uh, audio cables or the mm-hmm. Xbox controllers, it would just detach and not yank something. <laughs> Detaching and not yanking would be good. Yeah. I, so uh, yeah. what else did you see on press conference day? Um, you know, it's, it's been out for a little while on
1: Amazon.com, maybe three or four weeks, um, maybe a little bit longer. Um, Roost, which is a nine-volt battery for smoke alarms. And this is one of my favorite products of the show. GetRoost.com is the website. I go to Amazon. Um, so this, I don't, I don't know exactly how they stumbled across this, um, but essentially there's a reason why smoke alarms chirp Mm -hmm. False alarms at like 3 in the morning. It's because in most of the world, or at least most of the United States, uh, that's usually the coldest part of the day, right? So a typical smoke alarm, a typical battery powered smoke alarm has an alkaline battery inside of it. Alkaline batteries produce electricity based on a chemical interaction. Mm-hmm. Chemical interactions slow down when the temperature goes down. So when you've when you're as a you know, when your your EcoBee or your Nest thermometer has scaled down the temperature for the evening and the heat is slowly leaving the house and the morning retemperature warm up hasn't started and You get down into the, you know, whatever the lowest temperature of the day is, that is the least amount of energy your battery is going to be producing. And if you've been sitting at like 7.2, whatever, or, you know, 11.4, whatever, whatever the magic voltage number is, and as the battery cools off, it's going to dip temporarily below that value and start the false alarm chirping at the ass crack of the early hours of the morning. Did not realize that. (laughs) Neither did I. I, So, so, (laughs) So, what does Roost do? So, Roost looks like a nine volt battery because it is a nine volt. Battery. It's lithium ion. Uh, I think they're claiming like five years of battery life. But what's what makes it super awesome and ridiculous um, is it will essentially uh, use uh, it will. Broadcast, you know, it was crazy. Like, I want to say it's Wi-Fi, but the best thing is they just did if-then-then then that integration. So mm-hmm. when the battery does legitimately start to get low, it will send you a message. It mm-hmm. will send you a reminder using an if-then-then that command. Once which, every
0: five years, uh, yeah. That's a
1: reminder. What that would be nice. But as somebody who ended up replacing all the smoke alarms in their house due to some yeah, you know, while they were hardwired due to some false alarm issues, I'm really down with with this and this working.
0: Um right. Yeah. It sounds like a simple solution to something that not many people think about. Right. <laughs> up, again, a little bit of convenience that makes your life easier. Yeah. I mean, uh, Hunter Fans is here. They did a home kit Ready fan,
1: which also may sound ridiculous, but uh, I, I think ceiling fans are absolutely fantastic. And it's nice for them to be able to, nice for a relatively affordable brand to be available that will allow me to integrate my thermostat and the fans in to help keep the air moving around in my house, which keeps the temperature and helps us you know, uh, save energy. It sounds ridiculous, but it's fun to talk, if you get to talk to an engineer about what it takes to actually Deal with, you know, HomeKit, or to deal with, um, you know, Amazon's Echo. You know, because it's funny, right? We've got this three-way battle right now, basically between Samsung, Apple, and uh, um, wow. There's a great, big, really important name there that's gone far, Amazon, far away. Samsung,
0: uh, Samsung, Apple, and
1: well, it'll come back to me eventually. Uh, right. <laughs> Google, duh. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> did did I mention we it's it's funny like if you've never spent time in Las Vegas
0: uh it's I'm a, on 3% battery. Yeah, I don't mean worry there,
1: about there's it. a there's a it's a desert so there's not much moisture and then they run HVAC and they pull moisture out of the air so mm-hmm. basically you're dying the entire time you're here. My lips are so chapped right Um now. you know, I don't think it's it's not new but uh Ecobee, the the thermometer manufacturer, they do remote sensors now, which is a big deal if you've ever had an issue where one part of your house uh, is particularly cooler than the other parts of the house or you would like to keep part of the house... Warmer. Um, So you can plug in these remote sensors and it will average. It will basically, even if you have like, you know, a single furnace feeding all the rooms, it will decide like if I need this room where the kids are to be a little bit warmer because they're sick, you can tell what temperature you want that room to be and it will basically pump out enough uh, heat, enough energy to keep that room warm. But if you want your bedroom cold enough, it will then allow you to choose between these. It, it will automatically find a midpoint between these two and maintain this, which sounds silly. But if you spend a lot of time screwing around with you know automated thermometers from incredibly high-profile manufacturers that do things like shut off, uh, even when you have people in the room with them and drop your house twenty degrees in, 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 in uh, <laughs> yep. a few yeah. days, it's 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 interesting, right? Because all of these. You know everybody's trying to think to be open, but it's still you end up having to be like well We got to work with HomeKit, and we've got to work with smart things, and we've got to work with and um, I think it's gonna be really interesting to watch all of this evolve over the next couple years or just Fall apart and piss everybody off and destroy the potential market for it.
0: Yeah, and it needs to be Transparent and easy for people to install and easy to maintain it also needs to work
1: Um, Provoro was really cool Um, um, Dude
0: like I'm gonna make you talk now before I start. No, talking absolutely. About- so okay. t- that Tuesday, Tuesday was <laughs> press conference day. Now we arrived on Monday night and uh, we decided not to go to CES unveiled because it, it didn't have a lot of value for us. So our first right. big thing on press conference day was not attending the press conferences because <laughs> we feel like it's it's mostly for broadcast media. Sure. It's for you know international media, it is. news media, and they want to get their big cameras out there, get the CEOs on stage, do a big big you know sh- uh, big pony dance and and for us either at the pre-briefings or you can watch a live stream, right. you know, it's not going to be really valuable. Uh, so we went to an event called the Drone Rodeo. Out at by the I can't remember the name of it. There's an amazing shooting range out there, on the edge is. of the desert here. It's yes, fantastic. That's right. It's about a half an hour away. And it's the second year that they ran this. Uh, last year, DJI, uh, the big drone manufacturer, sponsored it uh, along with a few other companies. And they rented out part of the gun range for a full day to do quadcopter races, to do quadcopter fights, to show off new FPV gear. And uh, this year, uh, 3D Robotics sponsored it, and they brought us out on a big shuttle uh, in the morning. Now, the problem, it turned out, was that when the night before, we looked at oh, the drone rodeos the next day. There's a 30% chance of rain for the drone rodeo, which oh, eventually no. turned to 100% chance of rain. <laughs> 30% of the time, it's 100% of the time. It rained, so we got there and we were planning on spending a full day there, checking out a lot of different quadcopters, different technologies, getting some test flights outdoors, Rained out completely. Eventually, we're just huddled into this small tent and uh, <laughs> oh, talking no. to some of just a few manufacturers. Now, I did get to chat with some interesting people. So, uh, Nixie was there last oh, year. Cool. Do you Remember Nixie? They Nixie the, Pixel. Uh, Nixie. They. Oh. Made, uh, no, no, no. No, it's, the, uh, Nixie the, the manufacturer. The drone. It's, Sorry, it's a small drone maker. And last year at Intel's press conference, they had the uh, Edison Challenge. And really? These were the winners of the Edison. Is Intel's small uh, IoT chip? Size of a quarter. Um, and this drone maker uh, made a small, small quad, 3D printed quad that you wear on your wrist. You flip it off. Oh, and, and it, throw it unfolds it out, and then follows and then, you, the, and then comes back like a boomerang for rock climbers. Yes, exactly. The idea you is know, that you know for rock climbers, yeah. <laughs> or for uh, if you're on the uh, edge of a bridge, right? It, that throw lucrative rock climbing market. And then, and then grab it back. And it was what? cool. It was a cool demo. Cool demo. Flew out, comes back, took a picture, um, and uh, they may not be using Intel Edison anymore, but they're still working on it. And so we did an interview with them, talking about just like what the difficulties of creating an algorithm. So that the quadcopter can take the known variables: its height, uh-huh. the direction, where the, it starts from, how many rotations it's made. Find this, You're asking a quadcopter that you're throwing away from you to one stabilize itself, know where it came from, <laughs> and then to be a photographer and take a picture of you that you can actually use and care about, right. and then come back to you. That's
1: asking a lot. That's actually a, no. It's that's a tremendous amount. It was it was funny the. Uh um, it's going to take me a second to remember the name right now. In the middle of... Uh, it was a very long Intel. on Late in the day on Tuesday, Intel did their, their big thing. And one of the things they did was... Uh, um their real sense uh camera system integrated into a drone on the thank you unique typhoon um which you know the last time we did a demonstration like this they were basically you know priceless prototypes yeah and and typhoon's supposed to ship this for two thousand dollars later this year but it's following the uh the mountain biker Mm -hmm. through and they they basically had this crazy like net covered cage that ran the entire length of like seven probably 50 yards along the side of this huge huge room and uh and the mountain biker, the the drone is following the mountain biker, and a mock tree falls in their mock forest, and then the drone leaps out of the way and follows the mountain right. biker. But we were sitting next to the, we were in the Intel booth, recording tech thing, and and we were watching, you know, the guys like the drones chasing the guy, and it's avoiding this giant pillar in the middle of the drone cage. But it's it's kind of awesome, and there's also part of me that's like. This is the way that Skynet starts.
0: Not <laughs> if with... they can avoid the falling tree, they can avoid your rocket launcher.
1: Eventually, <laughs> yeah. well, if, if they react fast. Not enough. with and... a scream, but with a toy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's crazy to kind of see that that you know and you know obviously stage demo, but they sent some people down to Baja with mountain
0: bikes and they're riding through the hills and the drones following them. Situational awareness for those quad I Right. They, we've seen demos from like I think MIT did a demo where you know you can you can have these quads and these uh, these drones is. Many aerial systems, even the fixed wings ones, um, and they—they they can you can put a camera on them. Right. And they can in real time do some image analysis. They don't need to scan and do a lidar map or a point map of the entire room. Right. They can just. Look at the trajectory, follow, and then do mm-hmm. avoidance. And um, it's it's really cool that that's going to eventually make its way to consumer technology. Now, the other company we talked to at the drone rodeo inside this cold tent when it was pouring <laughs> rain outside, uh, Power Up Toys. Really? Uh, Power Up Toys. They have the uh, that attachment where uh, you can fold a paper airplane and mm-hmm. then put and then control it with a over Bluetooth. Uh, it adds a prop and then um, and a, and a rudder system, and then it, you can actually fly. Your paper airplane with your smartphone. Uh, they have a new new model. Oh, thank you. Yes, a new model called the uh, the Power Up FPV. Now it adds an additional prop. It's two props. It's made for bigger oh, planes and has a camera now, so you can actually fly it uh, oh with FPV. It was it was not the most satisfying experience for my son to attempt to fly the first one. Um, well, maybe should have folded a better paper airplane for him. <laughs> it's cold, but probably true. <laughs> now the the really interesting thing is. Uh, at some point when they're adding props and they're but bigger batteries. Right. The paper airplane itself doesn't matter so much. Doesn't affect <laughs> the flight characteristics. Yeah. Much.
1: I mean, if some of the things you've seen flying, it's funny. I've run into two different groups of uh, engineers from aircraft manufacturers in Southern California. Um, uh, you know, Lockheed is here, Northrop is here, and apparently Boeing's here too. But it's always funny to realize, you know, you're talking to a, you know, what basically amounts to a, a person that builds satellites, which makes them a rocket engineer, and you know, they have a really funny perspective on power and flight. (laughs)
0: yeah um but before it did rain we did get to try um a new piece of technology not a quadcopter but an accessory for a quadcopter avogant had their final glyph there we interviewed them before uh they're the headset maker that makes you know like those sony hmz uh the uh The headsets, $1,500, watch a movie like as if you have a 65-inch, 100-inch TV in front of you, headsets, before virtual reality became a big thing. Well, Avocant has one, except instead of using LCDs or OLEDs, Uh it uses DLP projection technology to shoot the image into your retina to shoot lasers it's retinal displays and you know even though it's 720p the pixel fill is really high Mm -hmm. the image looks nice but they're adopting they're adapting their their headset now not only to watch blu-rays but also to work with quadcopters. so you can tie it with a phantom drone that has a camera with a three axis gimbal and you can use the headset which is a gyro inside it to control just the camera on your drone, that's a big deal. That is super cool, and it looks so much better than. I mean, it's a digital system, so it goes over. You know, mm-hmm. with DJI their Lightbridge Wi-Fi system or their their wireless system. It's not an analog signal like the Fat Shark, so uh-huh. the image quality looks actual 720p looks great. You get the full HUD on there, and you can actually fly and wear the headset at the same time. Fly with the transmitter, wear the headset, and see what your quadcopter is seeing, and control the camera. That's awesome. Yeah, with with head
1: movements. That's pretty. I, it's it's kind of amazing to think about how far this stuff has come, um, you know, and and to also realize that there are some three thousand drones out there, three thousand dollar, excuse me, unmanned aerial vehicles, because I'm an aviator or an unmanned aerial system. <laughs> UAS. Because I'm an aviator, um, uh, where I can, you know, it's just it's it's interesting to think that some of these three thousand dollar devices still tend to sort of corkscrew and auger themselves in randomly. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was funny because you spent a lot more time with the drone people than I did this week. Was was anybody talking about the FAA registration at all, or is it just kind of like nobody
0: wants to deal with it right no now? No one wants to deal with it right now. Absolutely, they just want to sell their product and talk about the product functionality. Right. And no one talks about. It. a lot of them, you know, it's not only for the U.S. market; it's for the international markets as well. And the FAA regulations apply mostly U.S. It's gonna be, you know go into effect and later later this year, right? Or like you know, next month, basically. Um, but they're they are have, they're at the whims of the government at the FAA, and you know it's <laughs> it's not on them to let the user know they have to register. It's on the user to right. have to register. You've registered. I have registered. I did went through the process. I have my ID number, and I have marked my quad with the ID number. I'm hoping for a court stay, and I'm waiting at least until you know the
1: the, the last <laughs> free date in January because I'm I'm a little. I'm a little nervous about telling everybody in in my part of the state of California that I have stuff they might want to steal in
0: my house. As well you should be, because it is going to be a publicly accessible database. If someone finds your quad, because you have to mark all of your quads, they can look it up and find your name and your address. And before anybody goes, well, that's just not likely to happen, try to remember, we all fly in parks
1: here in California, and we all gather in groups, and there's lots of people wandering around and asking questions. Well, it
0: takes someone with a smartphone to take a picture of the number. And that's it. Yeah, and they can look it up, and who knows how? I mean, hopefully the database is secure, but you know we've seen plenty of leaks uh, and, and hacks in the databases. So many secure data. Yeah, somebody asked me what, what 2015
1: was for me, and I was like, Windows 10 rocked, and everything else got hacked.
0: Yeah, <laughs> now, there are plenty of product categories that we see emerge at CES that right. have now become saturated. You know, quadcopters and drones definitely one of them. Uh, VR definitely has, is getting there to a point right. where you know there's a cream of the crop, and then there's a lot of you know, me too. VR companies, uh, but also action cameras. Everyone's making an action camera these days. there's an interview I did, in and I'm jumping a little ahead, with Nikon. Sure. They have a 360 action camera. You know, 360 degree. They say right. it's for VR, it's for 360 video. It was amazing. They announced the product. It's coming out later this year. I did an interview with one of the representatives, and he literally said the same four things over and over again without giving any information about the actual product. <laughs> he said it was 4K. He said it was rugged. And that's basically it. And it's 360 degrees. 360
1: degrees, 4K. 4K, 360-degree video, and it's right. 4K, 360-degree video, right. And, and they're, they're adapters. There they're will be accessories oh, for it. 4K, 360-degree video, rugged, and adapters. Yeah, it's well, it's funny because, you know, it, opinions are divided. Like, Ricoh's had the Theta out for a while. The Theta S, I want to say, is the last Which one like that came it. out. Which I like it. Yeah, it's a good device. You know, it's going to—the the Nikon should be a lot— Higher resolution, Uh, although I was listening to people uh, argue about whether or not it was high enough resolution, which is always an interesting challenge. Um, You know, and there's like, it's so funny, there's this entire category of products you don't see as often at CES, but you sometimes run into where, you know, Brands that maybe you know you might know from your youth or your mom and dad are familiar with, or your grandparents would know. Like Zenith is a classic, or you know, Polaroid on a television makes no sense, except that there are people that recognize Polaroid and and they have warm fuzzy feelings. Holding company, anyone license it? Exactly. Yeah. Or you know, you're like, oh, it's a Kodak camera. It's going to be awesome, but it turns out it's 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 somebody licensing the Kodak name to put on a product. And I bring all that up because there's literally like 75 different names you've never heard of that are going to have some fantastic action cams on the you
0: know like on the shelves in your local Walgreens and or your supermarkets. Yeah, it's smallest 4K camera, you know, bendable 4K camera, wearable 4K camera. Combine <laughs> all the buzzwords. Now, all of this leads up to one device that you asked me earlier to say what well, right. was one device I actually liked and it surprised me. And we talked about wanting to find something that actually is surprising and useful at CES. Mm-hmm. One of the things I actually like a lot that I don't know if actually it will succeed because there are some definitely some downsides but end up being a 4K camera. Really? And it's a 4K camera made by a Livestream, which is a streaming service. They're a competitor to you know, YouTube and Twitch sure. and do uh, subscription-based live streaming. But <laughs> I'm going to pick
1: a fight with the two I biggest know, exactly. people in the possible well, video universe.
0: Maybe they've been doing it for longer, but just haven't picked. You know, Couldn't they pick a fight on? with like Vimeo? Oh, exactly. <laughs> well, Vimeo, yeah. yeah. Um, well, they have, I love you, Vimeo. Don't ever change. A 4K camera called the Mobi. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that They're actually using 4K to make it useful. So it's a camera for live events and for live streaming or for podcasting, for example. But the idea is it's tied to uh, the video from the camera is streamed to your phone. Really? And on your phone, the image recognition software recognizes faces or lets you create segments of the 4K image, so rectangles, so crop up to a small 720. So imagine if we have a scene, you know, you're recording a podcast and there were four talking heads. You can, on the app, draw four boxes around the foreheads or recognize where the foreheads are. And then you press a button and it'll switch to a live video mixing mode. And you're basically in real time editing the 4K video, switching between crops, creating pans and zooms from the 4K down to 1080, down to 720. Nice. Saving that in real time on the micro SD card. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Pricing or... It's 200 bucks at CES. Interesting. It'll be 400 bucks when it goes on sale later, but you know, it has a tripod mount, so uh-huh. you can basically put it on a tripod, it has a directional microphone. So they actually have thought about this, right? right? For people, imagine if you go to a, if you're recording a, a conference talk, right? Like a stage convention talk where uh-huh. someone's, four people are on stage. Uh, if you don't manually edit the video or you know be the director, you can press auto and it'll recognize faces, it'll know when someone's talking, it'll use the directional mic to, Isolate their talk, their voice, right. and then zoom or crop to them, and basically you have the functionality of a, of a digital tricaster, on your phone with one camera, and it works. And with the demo, it looks like it works. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Is that a pretty good idea? Well, I'm just laughing, cause
1: like you know, I went from a seven million dollar studio. Or two studios. It cost seven million dollars to like a five thousand dollar Tricaster to you know watching people shoot video on YouTube. And now it's now it's two hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars with one camera,
0: (laughs) one camera set up that you can do nine views. That's pretty crazy if it actually works. And do pans. I mean, it's gonna make everyone you know an armchair you know video mixer. And everyone's gonna go (laughs) cut, 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 cut. You know, switch, 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 switch. But it's it's neat functionality. Damn it, Norm, I need the passion. Where's the pathos? Slow in that zoom. And, and they did some cool, pretty cool things. You know, you you pinch the zoom and how long that zoom action is is how, how fast the, the pan will be. Really? The will be. So they've done some neat things. So it actually, you know, gives you some options to be creative with the it, way you video switch.
1: It's always neat when you run
0: into some sort of UI thing that actually makes sense
1: it's and all then software. actually works.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I actually saw that at the Pepcom event, which is what uh, press day concludes with. So that first Tuesday of CES, <laughs> all the press end up going to this uh, what they call the Pepcom Digital Experience. It's like homecoming. It is, and it's in a giant ballroom. It's like the homecoming dance. Right. And there's a theme. Right. Every year, it's like it's decked out some aesthetic. Right. They've done uh, Area Fifty One. I think last <laughs> year they did a Wizard of Oz theme. There's a beach theme this, this year. This year's a the beach theme. I, I'm impressed by how determined they are to create a theme how much effort they didn't right they put into the theme and then how ineffective that theme eventually is to the enjoyment of people there
1: well it's so funny because you basically have you know I don't know a thousand two thousand feral journalists that's right you know all waiting in line they, they're getting their badges they're waiting in line they're staring at the door the door opens they rush in uh, or stagger in depending on what condition they're in and how long they've been drinking in the evening or something and and then it's funny to watch because there's people who like you know I cover this beat and this vendor is here and I'm gonna see this vendor for my beat yep. and then there's people who very methodically they make the left and they go all the way up down this aisle and all the way down that's the other what we aisle. do
0: we got to do the do, do the lap
1: yeah and it's like you know, I like to do a lap and then sort of single out a half dozen vendors to go a little bit deeper yep. on, um, because it's it's always amazing. There was there was a lot of French companies this year. Um, there were a lot more actually, sort of. People behind the scenes, you know, the companies that make the stuff that are used by companies you buy stuff from. Mm, um, you know, the suppliers. Um, I don't know. It was interesting. Like I got to see uh it's it was a Kickstarter program. I really liked uh, New Matter has a 3D printer. And obviously, like like I love my printer, but I am not qualified to to rate or evaluate 3D printers. Tested.com has an outstanding human being who mm-hmm. who has forgotten more than I will ever understand about 3D printing. But it was interesting to see somebody do a 3D printer that was not just a me too. Design that was both aesthetically clean and they did the simple act of, like, okay, you know, the head's going to do Z axis and we're going to do X and Y by moving the table. Hmm. And it looked, you know, compared to so many of the inexpensive uh, printers we've seen. Although now that Mono Price is dropping a $199 right. 3D printer, which I, I want to find and evaluate uh, just out of personal curiosity. Um, it was interesting to look at this and to, you know, to realize, you know, because there's so many 3D printer manufacturers right now, and there's there's you know, it's kind of curious to watch this evolve, you know, because I, I think I I think Will, if I I may mention Will, like I think Will's like like fallen in love with 3D printing and had his heart broken, and yep. and it's just like taking a break
0: from 3D printing. Yeah, like- I mean, in terms of <laughs> desktop CNC, oh. the things that were. More interested, a little more interested in our laser cutters and you know desktop milling. Yeah, because the thousand dollar
1: CNC mill from yeah, from right.
0: Monoprice. Um, uh, uh, so what else? I mean, you mentioned a French companies being at the Pepcom event. I talked to Parrot, and they had what I thought was a really interesting product. They did the you know the AR drone, Air Drone Two, and the bebop bebop Two drones. They actually they make speakers. That's their that's one of their big businesses. Huh? They also. Uh, now, this year, they're putting out a fixed-wing drone. It's called the Parrot Disco. I couldn't figure out, like, what. wait, the Disco? What's the Disco? And then Shannon told me, like, oh, it's, it's a plane. And I'm like, what? <laughs> well, their, their quadcopter is called the Bebop. Right. So I guess their fixed wing one, I don't know why they call it, disco. it, it uh, the disco. Stra- the naming convention is strange. Hot, but it is. Hotter? Disco. Yeah. It's a Quentin
1: Tarantino reference in honor of the Hateful Eight coming out on Christmas Day. <laughs>
0: Sorry, I really wanted to see that in, you know, super ultra maxi Yeah. 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 I'll fi- I'll see it before it goes away. Yeah, the, the roadshow is still going on. Uh, so the disco fixed wing uh, UAS, which hobbyists have been flying them for, you know, for Ever. long time. And FPV. uh, hobbyists have been flying them for the past couple years, especially. Um, A lot of quad cop people who build racing quadcopters and fly them with FPV have now also adopted fixed wing craft because they fly faster, they go further, and it's good enough. It's really thrilling to fly Mm -hmm. one of those. Uh, But Parrot is doing one that's ready to fly out of the box. So you have a transmitter. You literally throw this foam aircraft with one big prop up in the air. It flies up to 30 meters and goes in circles until you're ready to control it with the transmitter. And then you can fly it with FPV with glasses. Um, and you can hit a button, and it'll come home, and it'll land.
1: Is it using an actual discrete handheld remote
0: controller? Or am I still forced to use it, my iPhone and suffer? So it is using a discrete controller with a Wi-Fi extender, but the problem Woo-hoo. is Wi-Fi, I think, is a, their problem. They're still using a Wi-Fi signal and a Wi-Fi extender, which all their devices do, because you can fly it with just the app on the right. phone. And they're not doing dedicated two point four gigahertz.
1: It's funny, somebody's like, Oh, DJI's got a new, you know, drone and it's it's two hundred dollars less and it's Wi Fi, so the range yeah. is gonna be significantly reduced. Exactly. Um yeah.
0: and actually this lowered the prices of the the Phantom Three by two hundred bucks. Nice. Phantom three advanced is only eight hundred bucks now. This is my favorite quadcopter from last year. His favorite quadcaster, quadcaster so we're, quadcopter, quadcopter. We're, were you at Pepcom? Were you at the Digital Experience? I was at Digital Experience. Um, Anything there that you want to call out? I'm really embarrassed to say I'm I'm
1: I'm a little at this point between uh, the the three different shows have all kind of bleared together into a into a what kind of a smear inside of my head, um, and, I, and I, I would like to apologize to all of the events. Should I be mentioning someone who was not at their events or vice versa? Um, but it was funny that uh, Prevoro was really interesting. Okay. Um, so, Pavoro is really interesting. In pri- really interested in privacy, right? And the, the the founder does not like being tracked. Or, you know, deals with a lot of people who spend time in foreign countries where it's just a bad idea for people to be able to interrogate the cell system or, or track your device. So they came up with this, and I say this with affection, crazy case for iPhones. So it's a metal case. Like it's it's got a battery. It's got a metal case so that when you drop, when you, so you mount it into this sort of like thing and the thing, the kind of cradle half case thing, um, when you flip the top on it down, it covers your camera and it emits, uh, uh, basically noise that, um, Fills all of four microphones on the phone oh with God. noise, so you, they are basically dropping a, a large amount of audio, so you cannot be heard. And then if you if you slide the cover over it, which makes it look like sort of a giant sickle tube made, you know, designed for pounding, you know, stakes into the ground. Um, I, I mean to say that as in super burly. Um, They've, they've rated it for like 50,000 opening and closings you've got like 120 decibels of attenuation on all of the RF signal coming out of the phone wow. so the idea is that you you know you have the phone in the case and as long as the top slip, you know if you want to take a picture you flip it up you take a picture you flip it back down and everything everything that can gather information about you is covered and then if you need to stop all of the RF that can be tracked out of the phone you Bop the cover down on it, and it's essentially this sort of crazy steel run over it with your truck-looking kind of enclosure that blocks all of the signal tracking ability across
0: all the different, you know, RF communications tools inside of the phone. Shannon went nuts about this. That, this is exactly the kind of product that you would find at CES, and that you would hunt for yeah. at CES. Like, not a big showy thing. Right. Doesn't need a you know a fifty thousand square foot booth, <laughs> but super interesting. Yeah. And, and if they make it. Someone will come and like it and find it. Yeah, it's it is not inexpensive. It is a thousand dollar product right
1: now, but they're hoping to scale it, bring down the price, and add on Android versions of it. Um, you know, that was, you know, uh, you know, it's funny to talk to uh, some of the new top level domain companies. So sort are of, like .dot pet huh. pet is 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 starting soon, which I thought was interesting. That may be kind of a bizarre moment for me to be like, oh .dot pet. Or dot pet, I'm pretty sure. Um, but how many new dot, top level domains there are now, and how easy it is to create oh, your yes. own company's top level domain? Sorry, I'm having a kind of a nerdly moment here. I realize <laughs> we don't do that on on, on tested. Um, but uh, you know, uh, you know, it's, it, dot Norton has such a god awful ring to it. I won't bring you that should up do again. It. <laughs>
0: I don't think I can afford to have my own oh. top level domain. But the uh, the so- uh, Pepcom? Yes. Finished Tuesday night. Now, Wednesday and Thursday, I imagine you roam through the show floor. Yeah. A bunch of stuff. uh, Call out some of your highlights. So
1: Shannon went over to the LVCC to hit the the central and the south hall and go look at the giant screens and stuff. And I uh, I had an appointment to go meet up with uh, Hi-Fi Man. OK. I got to listen to the 400S headphones that I want to listen to. These are planar
0: magnetic um, headphones?
1: Yeah. This is like their entry-level planar magnetic headphones. I hope I have the right 400S. Um, I know and, the
0: 400i is the one that's currently on sale now. Yeah. I
1: should probably check the price. In any case, I got to listen to the new entry-level headphones from Hi-Fi Man. Spectacular. They had this sort of electrostatic demo, big, massive tube amplifier, mm-hmm. the and it, you know it, it was like a dixieland thing and it was, it sounded spectacular but i have no idea you know what it sounds like on anything else but um, i got to demo with you know my player and my files you know and and it, you know for for $300 it's an amazing headphone yeah. um, they had a new $1000 headphone probably won't go into that much i got to uh, i started the day with uh, audio quest and they announced um, two new versions of their dragonfly deck their deck and $100 deck $100 deck so they've got the black they're they're 96 so certain people in certain forums are going to be very, very upset. that're not like 192k. Um, but for the vast you know, you know, the AudioQuest is like, we understand, but for the vast majority of people and the vast majority of music it's being consumed, 2496 is way more than enough. Um, and it was interesting, they also have they've been talking about the Beetle for a while, but they have their new Bluetooth adapter. So, you know, you can send your bluetooth to this device and then it has a DAC and we'll send it to your stereo mm. uh, amplifier whatever it's connected to. So, those look really really clean, but it's like $99 for the Dragonfly Black. And then if you if you are someone who has a, you know, a super difficult to drive headphone, they have the red which is $199 and has a significantly increased voltage over the traditional
0: Dragonfly. So, Awesome. High-end audio and we actually shot a video with you about some amazing bookshelf speakers that You could not stop talking about, I want to go buy someone. I I sat in the, the Magic the Hot seat. In, in their demo suite and it sounded amazing
1: these are elac speakers elac speakers uh andrew jones joined elac he's he's worked for all of these amazing companies i got to interview him which was like a i you know i probably look like a starry-eyed geek uh in total fanboy and i was um but he worked for kef back in the day he you know most recently worked for pioneer and he sat down and there's these uh fantastics you know they're just the, the kefs Unify. they're available in april um they sound extraordinary. They're, they're basically, uh, the first thing I've heard since, uh, Kef's, uh, LS 50, um, to so elax, uh, unify, uh, is the B five, um, bookshelf loudspeaker. And then they've got, uh, the F five, which is the floor standing speaker and a center channel speaker. Um, but those B five bookshelf speaker, you know, I showed you, you'd never, you'd never been in the Venetian before, right? Know. So the Venetian is this Moderately swank casino, and it's 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 you know it's supposed to be in Venice. There's a lot of fura. There's a lot of weird gold-plated detail. There's, yep. I'm sure if I can find the Canal Plaza, there's gondolas in there. It's weird. It's a Vegas experience. <laughs> but they put a lot of the high-end audio vendors all come here. You know, names you oh Teals here. Oh my goodness! And you're hearing this. These like the AudioQuest demo was using like a pair of watt speaker, like, and they're they're fantastic. You know, I can't imagine. Like I I, I want to say they're like fifty thousand dollars speakers. Um, wow. You know, and you're having one of these moments, you're like, oh, you know, sell the kids' kidneys. I could buy a pair of these speakers maybe, um, but I'm not really at that end of the audio spectrum, so um, you, you, you're this long hallway, the doors are closed in most cases, but not latched, so you go in, and you go have a listening experience, right, and so I heard these speakers and I ducked in, and I I didn't recognize Andrew Jones because I'm an idiot, and I was also listening to these speakers because they were playing something and sounded fantastic, um, you know, classical piece, you know, and everything's there's spatial imaging, and it's really, really gorgeous, and, and, you know, we get to talking and it turns out, what I'm expecting to be like another $5,000 pair of speakers that I covet but cannot justify. And he's like, oh, they're $500. dollars like, each he goes for the pair. You know, he's obviously having some fun springing that yeah. last part there, and I'm like, yes! <laughs> awesome. awesome. Yeah, so that was really cool. And then they have uh, the Debut, which is even less expensive, but includes custom, basically custom engineered these drivers to a price point to deliver kind of the best possible sound you could saw. So, uh, those are coming in April, and I'm really excited to... Uh, we should have you test them. I would be Absolutely. happy to do that. They we have should. an integrated amplifier too. That's oh. like a hundred watt. We didn't get a chance to see it. It's it's crazy because it's got like, it's it will it'll connect to your. It's a it's a box smaller than this laptop. Um, dense. Um, it's an integrated amplifier. 100 watts per channel, like a true 100 watts per channel. It's got an onboard DAC and you can send uh, music to it. So it's, it's, uh, or I'm conflating products together because I've seen approximately 10,000 shiny things, but the amplifier is fantastic. Uh,
0: That's going to be about $600. So, yeah, I think at the end of CES, at least Thursday at CES, you start, your memory starts conflating things. (laughs) Like, how many, how many. GoPro action cameras that I see. Like, what was the spec of this? How long was that cable? And oh my god! Like, it, it, good thing it's all on video or all on the internet somewhere recorded. Uh, so I don't. I can. I can <laughs> unload the memory once. Once I get onto the airplane, well, you end up taking a lot of pictures and writing a lot of notes. I mean, literally. I mean, was there more than fifty drone vendors in the South Hall? I would say, oh God, at least two dozen. Definitely, from big to small, you know. There are a lot of a lot of Phantom ripoffs, a lot a lot of things that look like the Phantom 3. Um, Unique actually had some interesting looking like uh, some quadcopters and hexcopters. Uh, Typhoon H is a hex. It's a competitor to the Inspire One. Um, it's only $1,800, which makes it much more competitive than the right. $2,800 Inspire One with you know a similar 4K camera. And 360 gimbal, a degree gimbal, uh, but the build quality is a little different and who knows how it'll function. So, we'll wait for that to come out and, and test that out as well. Um, I did do a bunch of um, VR demos and interviews. And I don't wanna go too in depth with mm-hmm. the VR um, in this podcast. I'm gonna save that for a conversation with Jeremy when I get back next week into the office. So, and we do have some videos with HTC Vive, with Oculus coming up uh, on the site soon. So, you'll watch those videos for my thoughts and impressions. Um, but I do want to talk about. You mentioned Kodak, and Kodak being one of those brand names that you know you're you you may remember if you follow mm-hmm. electronics back in the 80s and 90s, but have kind of fallen off and and not had the same impact. Uh, well, Kodak announced a really interesting product: a new Super 8 camera. Yeah, and this is—I mean, this is
1: Kodak, as in the company in yes, Rochester, New York. That's right. And a famous designer designed oh. it. Apparently, I
0: haven't—I've I, heard about it, but haven't actually seen it yet. Yeah, I don't know. I think they may have had uh, work with Yves Behar's uh, design firm. I saw it today, and it's a that what they say—they haven't announced if official price yet, but it'll be in that seven hundred and fifty-dollar price range, which is really expensive for a Super 8 camera, especially when you can go on eBay and for under a hundred bucks buy a vintage Super 8 camera that still works with. Kodak film. Now, Kodak has ne- never stopped making Super 8 film. Right. Uh, you can still buy cartridges, and it'll be the same cartridges that go in this camera. <laughs> What's interesting, though, is this camera is a hybrid system. So it will record Super 8 film on the cartridge, which is about a three minute cartridge, 50, 50 feet of Super 8 film. Um, but you can also have a live view LCD. Mm-hmm. So there is a digital sensor on the camera itself. Now what I couldn't get them to explain to me is how does it capture On the film and on the digital sensor, the same image. Is it the same image or is it slightly askew and it's like a pinhole and you have what's essentially like a rangefinder where you're looking through a viewfinder and it's not exactly what the lens is seeing, but it's good enough to frame your shot? Really? So you do, you can't, uh, there is SD card slot, but you can't record digital video. You can uh-huh. only record audio. And uh, the more interesting thing, I think, outside of this camera product, because I think they're going to make it in limited quantities, just a couple of thousand of them this year to start, um, is the ecosystem they're building up to process the film. So right now you can buy the Kodak <laughs> Super 8 film and have it and find a place to process it. It'll uh-huh. cost you, I don't know how much right now exactly. but. What they're promising is you can buy basically for 50, 70 bucks, uh, the cartridge, which includes the price of processing, you mail it in, they mail you back the film that you can project and also upload your digital video file onto their cloud service that you can then download. Really? So I think that that is super interesting. And for people who would like shooting a film currently, right. who don't need to wait or don't, don't need to buy a new Super 8 camera, having that service in 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 place is going to be useful. I'm torn
1: between really, really wanting to get my son to play around with, with stop action on Super 8 because they did it when I was a kid and realizing it's just so cost prohibitive. Yeah. Um,
0: did, they, did they actually talk about what the cost for the film and the development was going to be? They, I think it's going to be in that $50 to $75 range for... The price of the film, including development mm-hmm. and processing and the cloud uh, upload um, and then the camera itself in that $750 range. Wow. Yeah. It's, I it's, I think it's a niche product. It's, I think well, it's, yeah, it's interesting and the, the camera looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's going to be used very, very extensively
1: in Portland and Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, you're talking about shooting two and a half minutes of video. right. Of a film at a time. I mean, yeah. I don't think everyone's, you're not going to get a lot of, and I, I actually, I like that. So maybe it's going to train filmmakers not to just press the record and hold and actually think about how to shoot and edit in your shot. What's funny
1: is you, if you talk about people who have been spending a lot of time shooting on, you know, like I've got a 256 gigabyte SD card, I have right. seven hours of recording time. You know, I'm laughing. I'm thinking about, well, you know, the, the reason the unique's not going to kill us all when it goes into hunter predator mode is because it's got 20 minutes of battery life That's or whatever absolutely battery yeah.
0: life is. So, you know. Hard limitations. <laughs> film, it's the length of film. You know, it's f- physics and battery chemistry right now. Mm-hmm. You know, only only so good.
1: Oh, my goodness. That's fascinating. Any other
0: profound retro
1: throwback products you saw?
0: Oh. Uh, not any profound retro ones. I mean, yeah. Outside of like the Crosley yeah.
1: mock retro products.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think so many of the products you see at CS are the same you know, cheap made in China core with a you know, some design aesthetic. This right. one's covered in wood. This one has this. Here's a speaker that floats. You know, with <laughs> on magnets. Here's a floating speaker with a duck. Here's yeah. a duck that's been turned into a floating speaker. Yeah. So a ton of stuff. Oh, I did see um in uh, the three D printing section. Uh, we did an interview today with M Core. Mhm. Now M Core they make a high end an Iris, as uh, the name of the product, um, a three D <laughs> printer that prints paper. So as opposed to melting plastic and Mm -hmm. laying layers of plastic filament, melted plastic (laughs) filament, it takes sheets of paper and cuts it, and then stacks it and glues it together. Really? So you get three D models that are made of completely just made of paper. Uh, They have a new M Core three D printer called the Arc that was just announced um, at CES. Nine thousand dollars, and so it's it's for you know it's for schools, for art schools, and. And not for, not for the home. It's a big device, but it also has an inkjet printer inside, and so it takes a model, an OBJ model with texture, and creates a paper model with the the color texture on top. That's crazy, and it looks good. Yeah, that's
1: really crazy. Um, what else did I see? Sure, it was actually actually it. Uh, I wasn't if it was if it was uh, Pepcom or Digital Innovations. Um, Eight forty six new in ear monitor, not cheap, about 000, but a thousand dollars, but sounded fantastic. Uh, sure, the microphone company. Mm-hmm. It's the fifties. I want to say the fiftieth anniversary of the fifty seven, although it could be the fiftieth anniversary of the fifty eight. Um, I finally got to hear the KSE fifteen hundred. They've spent like eight years designing an in ear monitor that's actually an electrostatic. Wow. Um, so it's like like normally you see electrostatics like stack speakers. It looks like a pair of Kleenex boxes strapped to the side of your head. That was really really. Interesting. Although it was a horrible environment to uh, to audition uh, headphones in, because it was there's like 600 people all trying to get the story of CES. Um, but uh, and they have the SRH 1540, which are a sealed headphone that sounds really fantastic. Um, Sennheiser's here with the. Uh,
0: their new update to the HD eight hundred. Yeah, you're you're here for one more day, so I'm leaving tomorrow morning. What are the things <laughs> that you're going to look for on the show floor that people can get excited about and find as you report on tech thing? I really want to find uh, I really want to find Monoprice because they they're doing
1: you know obviously they've become kind of our go to for cables over the last couple of years and they've done some really really interesting inexpensive um, monitors right. They were kind of bringing over the Korean you know off brand the CatLeap type monitors. Um, you know, I'm gonna get a chance to spend some more time auditioning those Sennheiser headphones. Um, I just also want to spend some time looking around at all the shiny stuff. Yeah. I'm really excited that we finally have sort of a launch date. You know, like Q1 this year, like Samsung's gonna have an Ultra Blu-ray player. You know, we've we've got an HDR spec, although things are gonna evolve a little bit in the next year. I want to see I want to see 4K content off of a disc at proper bandwidth and not have to deal with the fact that you know if I try to watch. You know, a Netflix video at seven o'clock on a Friday, and all my neighbors start to watch videos, and Comcast throttles us, and everything's a giant bag of sucks. So, um, see the more four-card, you know, finally see it have, finally having like, you know, it's 30 titles, it's just like the launch of Blu-ray, except. More titles, but it'll be 30 titles at launch. Uh, that'll want us, That's gonna be out at the end of March. We're taking pre-orders now. Um, might try to get into some of the VR demos, but yeah. uh, mostly, also just want to walk around the South Hall and get a, a you know kind of a look at what everybody's doing and and see what I haven't seen so far. Awesome.
0: Um, Well, can't wait to hear what your impressions are of those products. Uh, Where can people find more of those impressions in your content? Oh, man, you can find Shannon and I on
1: techthing.com. That's at, well, techthing.com or youtube.com slash techthing. We did a whole... I, I don't know how long it is. We also uh, we bought Robert Herron, who's my partner on AVXL, which we just launched. Which is uh, we used to do a show called HD Nation, and mm-hmm. it's all about home theater and home entertainment. Robert has seen I think every single television at CES, right? Because that's what he does. He evaluates televisions, and uh, uh, he has a lot of cool stuff to say about what's going on with LG, what's going on with Samsung. He saw a fantastic uh, uh, projector demonstration from
0: Oppo that he's really excited about. So Ooh, uh, I'm going to be in the market this year for new projector so dude do you have a projector yet at i home? don't so I, I'm, I'm my first projector, projector changed everything projector
1: quest i i you got to talk to robert it's I, it's I definitely will. you should get robert actually on the podcast it's it is I, I can't go back to a, a regular, like, you know, even, I mean, I, 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 I've had a hundred inch screen, like I bought a $700 refurbished Optoma projector, like mm-hmm. six or seven years ago. And it has been amazing. I've had a hundred inch screen in my home for a long time. And, uh, although I am. I'm totally satisfied with it until I see like a plasma or like the OLEDs, and I realize how gray my blacks are and how yeah. badly I want the full blacks of the newer technologies. So I just got to con my wife into letting me
0: upgrade the uh, the projector. Don't sell your children, not, not just yet. Wait for the right product. You know, wait. No speakers, you got the $500 version. Wait for the right product. You only have children. to wait three you years. You only have a few children to sell. So. I only
1: have two children to sell.
0: Sell them dearly. Yes. Well, we'll have more on Tested. Again, I apologize for the audio quality. We we're recording literally. My child is not here. <laughs> we're, we're recording literally in the, in the the basement of the Venetian right now as CES Today is coming to a close. I am at 0% battery like <laughs> on me. I've been coughing. I've been sick this entire time. But we'll be back next week with another episode of This is Only a Test. I'm going to have Jeremy on, and we're going to talk about VR, a full, maybe full VR episode. To make up for no VR mini. It. I know there's a lot of VR news: the Oculus pre-orders and the pricing, and everything. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's launch exactly date that. for Oculus, that's right. so price for Oculus, six hundred dollars. <laughs> 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 Internet outrage.
1: Well, yeah, and, and you'll need a 980. But on the upside, everybody who got on the initial Kickstarter is going right. to get a free one. That,
0: that's great news for everyone. <laughs> <Please> <laughs> for <laughs> Jeremy <laughs> and will, not for me. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a VR minute. Yeah. So, uh, so thanks for, for listening. Thank you so much, Patrick. Oh, my for pleasure. This week and happy new year, everyone! Happy New um, Year's. We will see you next week and uh, on this is only a test. Until then, I'm Norm and see you next time. Good night.